But you know what ability I do have that I don't think you have? Being awesome. No, I mean, that's a that's a natural gifting, my friend. But I also have uh, this one. See, I get to appear in the bathroom. Okay, this is what I like to call a one-on-one. All right. This is Michael Polson. He's a colleague and friend of mine from Netflix. Years ago, I interviewed him for my technical talk show, Geek Speak, about a conference he did. And I interviewed him at the office at Netflix. And afterwards, he was like, that was so much fun. We got to do more of this. And that launched us doing an internal podcast, which we did for years. At the end of that, we actually went public with We Are Netflix. So Michael was the, the reason I started doing We Are Netflix. Uh, he did the first season with me, and after the first season, he went and started doing Twitch, streaming him programming real-time. We'll talk about it in a minute in the interview. What he's done just now is the video conference that we're using to see each other as we record. He's just changed the video that I'm seeing of him to actually a bathroom, but the row of bathroom stalls. And he's peeking up over the back bathroom stall, continuing talking in video. And that's Michael. He's fun and fantastic. The thing is, I never think about video. I mean, I think about video a little bit. Of course, I've got like a, you know, a real screen back here and stuff. I know. Yours is beautiful. It's okay. Camera, good lights and all that. But I don't really do video as my thing. I do radio as my thing. Yeah. See, unfortunately, I have a face for radio and a voice for Braille. I don't know what's going on here. So I, I, I struggle a little bit. It's good to see you, though. Yeah, it's good to see you, buddy. It's been yeah. a while. It's been a long time. It's been a long time since we sat on uh, Melrose Avenue and... Smoked a hookah late in the night getting drunk. Yeah, that was sweet. I wanted to do that again someday. I'd love that. Uh, I'm actually going to be back in Los Gatos here soon. Uh, Chris called it off because of Omicron. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh my God, come on. And so I've already had COVID twice. So I'm just like, dude, I not only have I had vaccines, I've had COVID multiple times. Like, <laughs> I am a, I'm a walking fortress when it comes to that. I'm not even worried at all. And you have young kids, which means you've got all the diseases. I got all the disease. I mean, I'm yeah, we have sicknesses once a week. How was your experience with COVID? Any symptoms? Breeze. Kind of yeah. Breeze. Uh, so what ended up happening is I woke up at about two in the morning and I was like, oh, I'm kind of feeling sick. So I took some ibuprofen, woke up in the morning. Everything was fine. Throat's a little sore. And I'm like, oh, man. So I tell at this point, we just moved back from California. We've been uh, or we moved from California to South Dakota. We've been there for about four months. And you know, my my parents-in-law are living upstairs. We're living in their basement. So I'm like, hey, I think I have COVID. And they're like, okay, you should stay downstairs. And I start explaining that my symptoms. And they're like, you don't have COVID. That's not, that's not COVID. Because right? I'm like, I just have a sore throat. And that's kind of going away. And they're like, but you should get tested. You know, you should definitely get tested. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go get tested. I get tested. I'm waiting for the response. I eat a slice of pizza. I'm like, oh, there's no flavor in this pizza. I'm like, oh, no, I have COVID. Dang it, I got it. Right? And so that's really when I knew I had it was at that moment. And then the same day, a little bit later, I got response back. I got COVID. You moved to Dakota a while ago. Hasn't it been like a year? Uh, almost two. Wow. So yeah, the day on. that lockdowns were announced, drove to South Dakota. Wow. I'm going to get locked down, you know. I, I'm going to have to spend 14 days either in California with ki- three kids in an 1,800-square-foot place, or I could be quarantined for 14 days which we did right when we got there and then have just not that so that's what i chose because i figured california would be you know it's a longer process and it was 
South Dakota was a much shorter process, and it was great. Kids Michael, need to run out of park. You know what I mean? Michael, you're the primogen, and describe to me what who the primogen is. Uh, so really, uh, it's just it's just. I mean, you've hung out with me. I'm a fairly energetic, kind of like to yell, kind of get into things, kind of person. And so that's that. That it's just me. It's just a name I've chosen. And I realized at some point in my lifetime, I didn't want to be like doctor professional. You know, everyone's like, oh, you know, like when I was a younger guy, I had a pseudonym on the internet, an internet handle, as some people call it. And it was just the primogen. That was an old misspelling from an old video game, Turok 2, when I was, gosh, 11 years old, thinking it was the greatest video game in the universe. And that's when like online video games just started. They're like bare, you know, barely inkling when I was about that age, 1999. And so, yeah, that's that's really what it is. It's just me doing me things. That's all. And you're doing it on Twitch. Like, you do it live video. How much are you on per week? Six hours, seven hours. That's a lot of time on, on in a public way. Yeah, but I like building things. So that's what you're actually doing is you're coding the entire time. Yeah, I, I code aggressively. Yeah, that's how I'd say it, too. It is really, like, okay, we're both senior engineers. We've been doing this thing for a long time. But watching you develop is humiliating to me because it's you're so fast and you can be funny engaging with people at the same time i i don't know how you do it i don't i don't know you're a smart guy i think you're fast i think you're good you're probably smarter than me the thing is is that i may be fast but maybe what i'm producing isn't necessarily the greatest stuff you're producing is really impressive i know that a lot of people listening to this will not know who you are and have the experience of watching and don't even know I didn't even know you watched me. Why do see? I always hate finding when real people. I like when fake people watch me. You know what I'm talking about. But once it's like a real person, like you know, then I'm just like, oh, it's that real person coming by again. You're pretty friendly when I when I say something. You'll talk about work and stuff. But I mean, the experience is you'll grab some language that you've heard a lot about, like Rust, and be all kind of snarky about it, and start trying to do something. Like, what's the last thing you try to develop on your channel? Oh. I actually just got done finishing a, a quite quite the adventure, actually, on it. Um, I got a Raspberry Pi. It's right over there. You may actually like this. Hold on. Let me just... A little bit of hardware. Uh, here's this thing. This is a Sonic Pi. Have you ever seen Sonic Pi? Let me get it nicely centered for your video. There we go. So I bet you, if you could look at this, I bet you could tell me exactly what that does. <laughs> You've named the function VS Code sucks. Yeah, okay, besides for that. I bet, I bet you could look at the rest of it and tell me exactly what's happening here. I'm assuming you're actually playing music. All right, now I'm going to press play on it. And, oh. It's not piped through. You failed us. I have broadcast. Really? That's funny. Hold on. So half the, th- the thing that's amazing about what you do, while you're doing this, I'll describe to the audience what you do. So Michael is typing away at his keyboard which is on camera he's showing the screen that he's editing which is always vim which is an amazing editor um and he really hacks it up makes it really work wonderful as an ide and he's also like developing software which he's running at the same time and he's got a discord channel going which is all of his guests that are participating so he's chatting with them and then he's using osb which is like a video graphics obs obs sorry that allows you to share a screen share a background screen change the background image on a screen so he is it is a live performance piece while he's developing software and it's funny it's just really quite impressive as a performance piece so what you've able to do right now is just throw the code that you were just working on and it looks like it's a drum sample sometimes a snare and so on written in what what's this written in can you hear it yeah turn up uh here let's see if i can get it any higher 
that's good. We'll just keep on. But, but so. the, the, the point of me showing you that is that you could look at this and go, oh, I kind of get the language. I get, I get what it's doing. That's not mm-hmm. that crazy, right? There's nothing too you know, insane about that, right? Well, except you're doing music on a computer real time. Yes, we're doing music on a, on a computer real time. So then I thought, well, okay. You know, the thing about Twitch and the people on Twitch is that they're just all upstanding citizens. All of them are really kind. And none of them would ever do anything inappropriate or be inappropriate. So, of course, I let them right. name my project, which currently is called Beat Me Daddy, because we're making beats, because that's what happens when you let Twitch have something. Yes. And if I run it really quickly, just so you can see it, because I mean, I think it's pretty neat. So you can see this, right? So now what I yeah, can do... it looks do, like an ASCII, an ASCII drawing. Yeah, so I can now use Vim bindings, of course, and I can turn on, say, Beatty Boom, right? Okay, you see that. And then I'm going to go like this. Then I'm going to... Let's see, let's create a new one of these. I'm going to SSH over into my Sonic Pi, type my super secret password, go to my incorrectly named personal folder, which should be personal, and run cargo, run, create a server. Okay? Mm-hmm. And so you saw what I just typed in right here, right? Where you saw yep. I just highlighted a single line of BDP or so it's called. And I only did it on quarter notes. Those are all quarter notes. And now, when I press, uh, i got to start one more thing because I just made this entirely too complicated. It's part of the fun, making the world's most complicated piece of software. So there's three separate things running. Uh, all right, so now that we did that, I'm going to press enter. And you'll notice it produced this kind of weird string up here. This is the best radio ever. <laughs> Sorry. Right? Okay, an odd string showed up at the top of this. Yes, yes. I see that. And so then if I go over here to my Twitch. You'll notice that I said the exact same thing in Twitch. Oh, okay. And so now, you hear that? Yes. Sounds like a kick drum. So yeah, that effectively was what it is. It's a kick drum. That's what BDP is, is like a kick drum. So now I can go in here, and then I can go all the way back. Let's find a good one. Sorry, I think this stuff is just way fun. And so I'm going to put in a little bit of snare, say every other time. And then I'll go a bunch of times and kind of speed it up and make something interesting at the end. I'll put in a hi-hat say you know something a little bit more interesting i'll just kind of just i'm just gonna spam them as i go very non-musically but as you can see i'm not very good at music right you can just mm-hmm. see the not very good at music and i can press enter notice that the string has changed and then wait gotta turn that up man wait for it so there you go we can now make live beats and you got a nice little ASCII table to kind of highlight which ones you want. That was a drum symbol closed, you can hear. You can hear the snare soft, and then you can barely hear BD pure. And so you can create these really beautiful live beats. And then, of course, anyone that hooks it up can then send these messages over to Twitch, and then it will be piped into my Sonic Pi, and then create this beat. So... The Sonic Pi is actually making this. Now, that's the small computer. It costs about 25 bucks. Yeah. It's off the side. It's connected through Ethernet or Wi-Fi, probably. You got it. And you've got it at running a port, and then you're sending commands to that thing, and it's playing music. And then you open it up to your entire audience base so anybody can play music in your space. Yeah. Assuming you have it running. Yes. Okay. Once I have it running, anyone can send those little strings, and it'll go through, and it'll do that. And it's actually creating the strings and all that was actually significantly difficult. We got everything done. That was yesterday. I still don't have, like, saving to a file or loading from a file, but everything else, beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. For the podcast listeners, um, I'll put some video or links over to some of this stuff from the show page. So please visit the show page. You can, I'll show you, I'll link you over to Prime and you can watch him oh. perform live. Why did you get into doing that? Like, w- w- what happened? So what generally happened is that guy, do you know Guy Serino? Guy, guy? Sure. Guy. Uh, he was just like, hey, I'm going to do a charity event you want to join and i was like sure i'll i'll try out a charity event and it was on twitch so i had to get affiliate to be a part of this whole twitch thing so i started streaming a little bit of Fortnite, playing some games call of duty apex all that kind of stuff and got affiliate 
kind of got going. People liked it. Did it my first charity stream. Averaged like 70 people watching me or something like that. Huge. It was awesome, right? That was really, really good. Uh, mind you that the top 1% on Twitch averaged six viewers. And so, you know, 70 people. That was, a, that was an accomplishment. I felt pretty good about that. Raised some money. It was a lot of fun. And I decided, I want to do that again. But somewhere along the way, I thought, what if I tried programming? Because, you know, video games, I'm, you know, I'm okay at. It's not like my primary thing. It's not the thing I do for many hours a week. So what happened if I tried that? And, of course, right away, had a bunch of people watching me. And I was like, oh, this is a lot of fun. So it's like all the fun of doing live streaming. Plus, I get to build side projects that I've always wanted to build. And it's probably just a touch more productive than playing video games. So I do like playing video games. Have you cut down your video game watching? Yeah, yeah, I have. Most of that's just because uh, I, I keep making kids. And so that's been very difficult to play more video games. That's what happened is that it just was a charity event that slowly spawned into me. Keep doing this. Now I have uh, 300 and some people on average watching me. That's awesome. Making dumb things. So this last one was just a beat machine made in rust. The greatest, most safest, most lovable language of all time. Were you, were you hating on rust about a year ago? Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Okay. I was hating on rust. Now, now I'm crushing it in rust. <laughs> I'm going to figure out how to get it in Netflix's code base. Ben Morris already got it in. I'm going to get it in. I'm going to be the second person to do it. What are we using REST at Netflix for? Or can you say? Uh, a Some sort of shader, transpiler, oh, cool. something, 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 right? Something that sounds just like right up its alley. <laughs> That's awesome. Here's a bunch of string processors. Rock on. Are you still on TV, Netflix TV performance? I am not. I'm on NRDP. Oh, NRDP is kind of the operating system of televisions that run Netflix, right? That's one way to put it. I think that's probably not the, the, the most technically accurate, but I'll, I'll let it go. Okay. How, how technical is your audience? This, uh, this show is not technical at all. We're already way too technical. Now we're going to get personal, sir. Oh, okay. I see. I thought this was the, I thought this was the nerd one. So It's okay. I wanted to do that. I, I wasn't sure how deep the nerd. I didn't, the nerddom, you know, there's d- depth of nerddom. Michael, what I really wanted to ask you is I have had a, a tendency recently to be in the situation where I cut way back on my creative output. I focused on work and just did that. And my emotional state, I think, got worse. I, I fluctuated from not really depression, but kind of into that space and out of it. And so one of the things of doing this podcast every day this is to see if I, that helps me be more engaged in life or be happier, be more complete, mm-hmm. blah, 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 whatever you want to call it, but a more satisfied human being. Yeah. How are you doing on that? case how is your health of mental health if you will i've been pretty fortunate uh i was born a fairly happy individual i would say uh besides for the teen years and the early 20s which were kind of more of a struggle fest besides for those years uh i've always had a very happy disposition and as long as i have the chance to kind of do something i really like to do for the most part everything else just kind of goes and i think ultimately i'm very happy and i'm a very blessed guy and so it makes it very easy to be just like okay with things that happen like you know work is not always that exciting like if work was your purpose then that would just like i could see why that would just be very painful yeah right and so since that's just not it it's just i don't know makes life a little easier when you don't have to have some sort of performative standard yeah so even though you're doing software development live in, in your fun time that's not the same as work or you know we call it labor because it's hard <laughs> it's, but at the same time it's i'm doing something because i just want to do it and i'm having fun i'm building a beat machine i'm building something that make that just has no real purpose in life and i think everybody we all have some sort of like corrupted goodness right 
Mine is the insatiable desire to create, right? It's like, it's, it has no, it's, it's creation for the sake of creation, right? And then as creation turns into maintenance, I'm just like, ugh, gross, right? Like, I don't want to be a part of any of this, right? And so that's where like that, it's like the, the, it's kind of run a little amok in me where it's like, it's very hard to want to stay on a long-term project, but I really like creating new things. And so it's like that, you know, that delicate balance of not letting it bleed into your work life because or else you're unhappy. Because then you're just like, oh, this is, I can't create anything new right now. It's stupid, right? And instead, it's just like, okay, this is fine. You know, this is work. I put on a different set of eyes, and there we go. And so that's me. That's what I like. And so even though I have four kids, beautiful wife, I stream, make YouTube videos, work. Do you sleep? I do. I sleep a good seven to eight hours a night. That's impressive. Yeah. Sleep is a very important aspect of both just like your physical health and your mental health. Like, right? It's very hard. We all should be sleeping seven or eight, so it's just impressive that you do all of that and you sleep seven to eight hours. That's, oh, thank you. That's yeah. good news. Why do you think you have this insatiable desire to create? Uh, I don't know. We all reflect our creator, right? We all have some things. Some people want to love for the sake of loving, and they're driven really strongly. You know, Some people are just highly into wanting to serve other people, right? And it just is something that just really gives them joy. So they go and do like, you know, the whatever without borders, right? People that go and go to other countries and do things that are not easy and they could get paid like six figures over here or do it for free over there and they just choose to do something because it's something they want to do, right? So I think we all have some sort of reflections like that and I'm maybe just a creator, right? Not not in a blasphemous way. Yeah, not in a bl- I mean, I don't think I can create man, if that's what you're asking. I don't think I can create the world. I can create a s- stupid <laughs> machine, but that's about it. Like, that's, that's as good as I get, right? I mean, that's my personal thoughts on it. But I've actually been thinking about this for a little bit recently. Is like, why do I like X? And why does my wife like this? And she also likes creating, but she likes it for the purpose of making somebody else happy and making something that they will have memories about, right? She is more on the service side of things. Right, where she likes that service type of feel. She likes to create, but she likes to see the the joy the person's getting from that creation. What kind of stuff does she make? Yeah, she does it with housing, right? So she likes to make really nice vacation rentals, and that's something that she spends a lot of time thinking about doing. And then her favorite part is when they say, "Oh, our family," you know, she thinks she just plans it out to like the nth degree, uh-huh. and then just loves it. So, not for me. I'd hate doing that, but you know, she- it's about that service that she's providing to some yeah. human beings. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. But you, your audience hates you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's part of the fun, right? That's, that's They're fun. kind of jerks to you, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, not really. It's, that's part of the fun is that I get flamed most of the time, and that's that. How, how does that feel to get thrashed by people? Doesn't bother me. The things that the the, the 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 thrashing that really bothers me are the ones where the thing that actually irks me. So the, the, I'll, I'll be honest with you. The one that really irks me are the things that look more like when someone just comes in and be like, "You should use X." It's just like, that's just like such an undirected nonsense statement, right? Anyone can say anything about anything, right? It's just like, it's nothing, right? right. Or somebody's just like, hey, nice job. You really nailed that one, right? Like, it just doesn't hurt because it's just like, whatever. You know, whether they're joking or they're being sincere, it doesn't matter, right? Those ones don't bother me. Okay. It's the ones where people are just like, oh, you should do it this way. It's just like, that, on the other hand, is just like undirected, so unspecific, Nothing I can't learn. I can't even, like, go Google search what they're saying. I'm just like, oh, okay. Can you give an example, metaphor, of somebody else doing that in a different type of practice? 
Here we go. I think it may be perhaps in a, uh, say, how about how about someone that does interior decorating, okay. right? So they come up, they do this whole, like, kind of like splash board. They design all these separate colors, what goes together, how they do all this. And if someone just looks at, say, the gray part, say some sort of charcoaly gray and be like, you should go a little lighter on the gray. It's just like, well, you don't know what you're saying. You have a whole <laughs> ecosystem here. And, like, that changes everything else along with that one single statement. I get you don't like little gray. You don't understand the rest. Right. It's just silly. You know, they're not giving you any context to where their idea is coming from or any reason for it. No idea. You're just like, why? Right. (laughs) I don't want to spend the next 15 minutes understanding your viewpoint, let alone then having to explain that there's also these other colors and these furniture pieces we've picked out for why light gray may not look that great. Right. 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 It's just like, you should use light gray. You're like, okay, cool story. (laughs) Thanks. Right. So those are the only things that bother me just because they're worthless. Right. I don't care if someone flames me. Flamesing, flaming is fine, right? I get flamed all the time. I've had people write hate articles about me. And that doesn't affect you? No. I mean, Why? I realize that, well, because the person who's doing it is probably just sad on the inside, right? Like, does it really, does it really hurt me in any sort of way? If someone says that I am a perpetual, oh, actually, I believe the exact quote was a perpetual shitty shoutcaster for League of Legends. I don't, I've never even played League of Legends, but, uh, you know, like, just that's the comparison I got. Which was a little upsetting that I'm a shitty shoutcaster. I thought I was pretty good at it, but you know, I'm not even that good. But it's just like, you know, what does that really do to me? But does it really hurt me? You do remember the quote. I remember a lot of things. I have, I have a sharp memory, and so it's just I, I, it's hard for me to forget things. One of the things you said right off is that they probably have a sad thing going on. Yeah. Do you think that way a lot? That other people have sad things going on, or people who insult people have sad things going on. The, the latter. Uh, I just think it it just depends, right? Because sometimes when people insult other people, it's for, like, well-educated reasons or, you know, like, I can say I hate React. It's not because I'm, like, upset and I'm, I have engineering frustrations that I'm projecting on the project React. It's because I have kind of domain reasons why I think it sucks. But if I'm just, like, something I've never used, taught, like, looked at more than a second said, oh, that sucks, to me that's just, like, either A, you're arrogant, or B, you, like, have something in your life that is hurting you. And this is just a weird way that it's coming out. Maybe it's not even, like, intentional. Like, since I'm getting hurt, I'm hurting others, right? It's more just, you know, I think that sometimes it's easy to become upset mm-hmm. when other things are upsetting you. Or you just actually think you're superior in all points, and so therefore you're right on everything, and it doesn't line up with your worldview. But that's, like, the, that's a different one, right? Do you ever have that experience where you're upset about one thing and you take it out on somebody else or somebody? Oh, they... everyone does, right? Isn't that, like, the human condition? Yeah. You know, that's why the dog always gets kicked in the end is because, you know, like eventually you take the nicest creature and you kick them because that's where all the frustration, right? I cannot imagine you hurt an animal. That's just the, the I know, I would. metaphor, dude. <laughs> but, but you get the idea, right? Yes. You take like the ni- the one thing that probably, even in their worst behavior, doesn't deserve to be kicked, right? Because they're just like dumb synapses that fire and right. want to give you kisses, right? And so it's just like you take something in your life, you're super frustrated, your dog eats something, you're just like, right? And you're just like, you take it out on the wrong thing. And we all have been taking it out on the dog in some sense, whether whether it's on people, your kids, your wife. Easiest probably with your wife or your kids, uh, just because it's like the people that are closest to you, people you're most comfortable with. They see it all the times. Yeah. The easiest to do that. Why have you been thinking recently about how your wife looks at um, helping and servicing people versus you looking at creating? Why were you thinking about that? I like to just think about uh, motivating reasons, right? The val, as my Russian friend would call it, val meaning like the value of uh, kind of like how we derive stuff. So uh, I'll give you a good example of what what it means when I say val. 
in the Silicon Valley, success is the Val, right? It is the thing that people look to as what really defines a human being, I'd say. Whereas like in LA, I'd say image is more likely the Val, right? How much people look to you or want what you have. And so they're very, they're different. They produce very different people, but they're the Val of that society. And so I've been, I just like to think about what is my motivating factors or the driving factors or what causes me to do X, Y, and Z. Because, you know, every now and then it's easy to become unhappy about life, your situation, you start feeling funny, and you have to kind of understand why you're doing the things you're doing. And so I try to regularly think through those activities. That's like the kind of dry answer. <laughs> I like that. What's the Val of South Dakota? I haven't quite figured that out. I would like to say freedom, probably. Yeah, I think that's pretty obvious. Or maybe self-reliance, independence, mm-hmm. family. It's kind of hard. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. I think it's probably, it might break down a little bit more uh, per, per area. What's your vow? And in the perfect world, what would your vow be? Like if you could be the person you really want to be? Oh, love God, love people, right? If like, that's it. If I, if I could take every left foot that hit the ground, I thought love God and every right foot that hits the ground, I said love people. Wouldn't that be the perfect world? Like, they're just like, I'm always in a version. You know, that's, that's where our term righteousness comes from, which really means to be right with God, to be right with people, to be right with the earth, right? It just means like these three things. You're always in line with everything, right? Like, that's what, you know, that would be the perfect world is that we're all in line with each other, right? How do you help yourself get that way? I don't, I don't know if there is like a solid way to get there. You know, like, because the, the, the genuine reality is that I think we all experience the you know the human condition right um it's just like a perpetual backsliding from that position right the moment you think you take a step forward you're probably doing something terrible and even if you think you're doing things great the reality is is that you could get someone to tell you like all a list of things that you're doing wrong right it's very easy to see someone else's faults too and so it's just like i don't know if there is i don't think there's a perfect world in this world and so it's really hard for me to even think through the perfect you know what i mean lyle yeah Totally. We, this this is starting to sound like our hookah conversations, which is just like, you know, like the, I, I just don't see the world is so broken and I, I don't know any other way. I don't even know what perfect even looks like. Right. So what, what do you do with that then? How do you move forward in life? I mean, you, Michael. I know. I'm, I'm just thinking. Uh, I never really thought about moving forward, like in the sense that what do you mean by in the sense moving forward with that? I'm forced to move forward at all points, but knowing the world is broken, knowing that you're going to backslide into something you don't want to be and always are trying to be right with God, right with people, right with the earth. How do you, how do you know that even though you're going to be failing at that all the time, that it's worth it or that you don't get sad or do you just keep yourself busy so you don't think about it? Do you rely on others to, um, to take care of that heart and kind of guide you? Like, how, how do you deal? Here's a question for you. Can I ask a question for you? Yeah. Um, you have kids now that are like in college, right? Mm-hmm. One in college, two in high school. Yep. Two in high school. Okay. And you look back and how do you feel about how you did when you're, when they're three, when they're two, when they're five? I see all the failures. Yeah. More easily than anything else. Now they are wonderful people. So I know if something went right. But I definitely feel like, well, I should have spent more time, should have vacationed more, should have done all these things. A lot of shouldas. Yeah. That's, uh, mm-hmm. that's effectively how I feel about that question, which is that I know no matter what I'm going to do, there's going to be shouldas in, in my future. I can already feel it with my kids now, right? Then being eight years old, I should have done something a little different here. My first kid, I really wish I would have done it differently. My fourth kid, I really understood it. The only thing that I know I should do 
is I should value whatever moments I am given. Tonight, my mortal coil may be snapped in twain, and that's it. That's the end of my life. When I get off work, and the reason why I can do a lot, so many things I think that other people can't do, is that when I get off of work, from the moment I leave to the moment the kids go to bed, I am zoned in on the kids. Work is not there. Work is not present. It's not present in my brain. I'm not like, oh, hey, kids, yeah, how you doing? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, right. Like, that is the thing that I'm doing when I'm talking with my wife. That's the thing that I'm doing is I'm talking with my wife. I'm not thinking about all the other things. When I'm working, I'm thinking about work, right? Full focus in the moment on the thing I get to do at that moment. You are being present. I'm just trying to be present. Does that mean that you don't hold your phone around you in, in the house and hang out with the kids? I've been really trying to set it off to the side. Yeah. Because it's very easy to want to look at it. And if I have it in my pocket, just sheer habitual behavior will pull it out. Yeah. And so it's like, I, I just feel like best if I can just go set it in my room and then it's just gone, right? I just don't even have a choice. And so I don't know that's kind of me moving forward. Sorry, that's like a, the longest roundabout answer, which is... This is great. This is great. I think everybody's having this challenge and problem, right? Yeah. I think it's even, it's highlighted the fact that a lot of us are working from home, a lot of the tech people at least. Yeah. The work and the computer is always there and the phone represents an extension of that. So you're kind of always on call and always engaged. Yeah. And, you know, we kind of like it at some level. Yeah. So you got to fight your own brain on it. So making structures like put the phone in the bedroom, <laughs> get rid of it so you're yeah. not having, it makes a lot of sense. We definitely have a policy of like no phones at the dinner table just because that way you connect with people better. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, dude, that's just so true. You have to be so like annoying about those type of things because or else it just slips back into sure. everyone's using the cell phone again. <laughs> I want to talk with you about something else I think is really interesting. Silicon Valley is kind of the creating most of our mediated spaces now in the world. And we've seen some problems, <laughs> separation of society from it. And you've lived in Silicon Valley as a software engineer. And the truth is that the people that work in Silicon Valley are not representational of even the United States, but definitely not of the world. Yeah. And there are some qualities that happen in Silicon Valley that are very much like accepted. And when you don't fit that quality, you're on the outs. Mm -hmm. When we talked one late night in, in L.A. over drinks and hookah, we talked about you being Christian and being in Silicon Valley and having to kind of feel like you had to keep that under wraps. Yeah. What was that like? And, and is that one of the reasons why you left California? It's a good question. Um, I'm sure you've seen uh, Silicon Valley, the show, right? Sure. Yeah, the best episode, of course, and something that they just did perceptually such a well job was the, uh, the Christian versus the gay, right? Like they outed him as being a Christian and he's super upset about it. Right, like that, and he's just like, you know, my parents just keep telling me they just want their gay son back, right? Like, it's just right. like, you know, like that whole joke, which is like, it's just the difference in that area. And I think one of the things that the Silicon Valley super struggles with is they are the most, I'm not sure what the right term is, uh, homogenous group of people I've ever met. Uh, because, you know, it's like 97% the same carbon copy. Yeah, sex, color, maybe different, fine. But, you know, it's just like when everyone thinks and acts the same, where everything that's important is all uniformly important to everybody. Everybody's out marching at the same causes, doing the same thing, right? It's just like, it's just so uniform. And so in some sense, it may look super diverse, but in other senses, it's also super uniform. You know, I brought this up. Actually, me and you brought this up. Uh, we actually kind of got into a little bit of a tussle because uh, it was at uh, 2016, I think, with Jeff. Uh, he was leading a thing on diversity and importance. And I made the statement, I think we do not hire enough thinking about socioeconomic position. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of debate about, are we hiring enough women? Mm -hmm. And my argument was, I don't think we just hire enough 
different people just in general, like socioeconomic, I think is a great indicator of differences. And, you know, how many people do we work with that are ex-felons that are now good tech people? Yeah. I don't know very many, right? Like, these are just different people. I, I don't know if you've lived in the prison prison family, but, you know, I've had a lot. Most of my family has been to prison, right? Like, I'm one of the few. I've made it. It's just different, right? It's just a different feel. And when you're in the Valley, if you are alike, it's really easy, right? You can say anything you want as long as it's on that side. A good example is, you know, we all know the Valley is like 97% liberal. So if you wore a fuck Trump hat, sorry if I can't, can or can't curse, you, you could just walk around and I don't think anyone would say anything to you. Like despite there's probably some percentage of people that are pretty uncomfortable with that, yep. that hat on. It feels a little aggressive towards them, right? But imagine if you wore like an F Hillary hat. You know, you would be just like pounced on, right? And so, it, so it's like that's the difference. And, and it's true yeah. over here in South Dakota. You do the exact same thing in South Dakota. Probably just different hat you're wearing, right? Right, right. That's all it is. It's like you go to a different place in the United States. There's a hat that's accepted and a hat that's not accepted. <laughs> it just happens to be extreme in certain locations. In the Valley, it's probably the most extreme, I think, in the United States, besides for maybe New York City, where it's just like it's so homogenous. And so it was really hard. You know, I had lots of conversations where people, you know, I don't belong here. I've had a lot of, I don't, you don't belong here, boy, right? Like that's how like it felt. It's just like, okay, I guess I don't. I don't belong in this city because this is not a place for people like me, is how it felt. I'm sorry. Nah, it's just, I mean, I know you're not that kind of guy. That's why I like talking to you. But, you know, there's plenty of people that aren't like that person. I have a friend that I call my globalist cuck friend, and he calls me, uh, what, what does he call gun-toting redneck, right? And, and we just, like, laugh and make fun of each other and send articles, like, about the other person, you know, like, about things the other person may or may or not believe. But it's just, like, because he's okay with it, and I'm okay with it, and it's just, like, it's nothing's personal. Mm-hmm. I'd rather just hang out with him and go get a drink and it's fun. Yeah. Right? Like that's, I think, life that we all want. I think everyone actually wants that, like that life where we can just all get along. Yeah. But it's just really hard to. Yeah. I think that's kind of the crust of that's so frustrating about it is that especially the, the liberal idea, if you will, that people should take care of each other. People should accept each other's differences. Right. Yeah. And then you're in that environment, deep in that environment and not accepted, which seems well, but that's what's being espoused. So yeah. <laughs> that's not good. Yeah. That's because diversity is measured on a different axis. It's a really hard thing. Like diver- real diversity is really hard. Yes. Right. Like yes. to actually sit next to somebody that's like so opposite of everything you believe and be like, oh, man, this is really hard. I think the way Netflix is doing it by tackling and spreading out the group of people that work for the company, right? Actually starting up offices in different parts of the world. I think that's a good way to at least be more representational. And I'm not so concerned about Netflix, maybe because I work for the company and they pay my bill and all that. I'm much more concerned about Google and Facebook, uh, Twitter, and, you know, like the social giants that are doing a lot more of the mediating of discourse. That's the part where it feels even trickier. I think the whole thing's kind of tricky because, you know, I do think Netflix plays a huge, a bigger role than you're probably giving them. In the sense that they get to choose what content goes on. Mm-hmm. I remember asking uh, Reed Hastings in 2019, I think, and I said, "Hey, when when are you going to get other con? You know, like when are you going to get right leaning content? Because there's none, right?" And he's just like, "Well, we did Mitch or not Mitch? What I don't even know the guy's name. What's uh, what's the guy who ran for president in 2016? Mitch. I think that's right. Uh, no, dude, what's the what's the <laughs> senator from Salt Lake City? I dude, <laughs> I, I never know. liked the guy, the squishy guy, not Salt Lake City. Uh, no, I know what you're talking about. Massachusetts at uh, one point." Romney, goodness gracious, yeah, Romney, not Mitch, Romney. And he was just like, we did Romney, and I was like, how long can you hang your hat on that one show, right? And the reality is that Netflix, if you look at the catalog, is stating something. 
because there's people that pick the content behind the scenes and they're the ones that are saying yes or no. So the, the bias of whoever picks the content is going to be there. And mm-hmm. I think that you can shape a lot of what people think by showing them content because it's during their relaxing time. In some way, you're influencing them in a very, very unique way. And how you look at the world is going to be hugely shaped by the content that you're watching. Netflix, for me, is actually a fairly big worry. But I think Google and, of course, Twitter and Facebook are the adult version of it. Mm-hmm. And they're terrible. Yeah, I wonder if I'm more okay with it because i'm liberal leaning and so for me like content feels good and yeah. you know the robney one was like wait we're doing what now and of course i'm like yeah, yeah right of course we should <laughs> like you know stop being yeah, so just selective. Let it happen, right yeah totally but um you're right that i'm probably just not seeing it as much because it doesn't uh, doesn't affect me as much i also have i have a theory though the theory mm. why you might feel like it's more um i like say say palpable on something like twitter i've been wanting to do this this is like a test i've been really wanting to do which is I actually want to create two accounts, get two separate VPNs, and log into one and be like super liberal on one, and then log into another and be super redneck yeah, on the other one. Of course you look at that. And yeah. actually, like, like, my theory is is that Twitter shows you what you don't like. Hmm. Oh, interesting. Because that's people engage the most. Yeah. You know, as we know from doing AV tests, what the system shows is whatever triggers engagement. So assuming that people get engaged by anger more than not, then, of course, the algorithm will go that direction. They're not, of course, choosing the content based on its uh, based on what somebody thinks about it. They're choosing based on what we do. Yeah. They're going purely by engage. You know, it's it's all optimization. Right. But what they don't. The optimization has real consequences. I, I because. It just feels like Twitter's always an angry place, right? And, you know, Google is always a weird place, too. I got a fun story. Can I tell you one fun yeah, story? Yeah, please. All right, so this was during, like, the height of Change My Mind. You, you, you saw that Stephen Crowder, Change My Mind, where all the memes came in. Sure. So I'm like, okay, I got to, obviously, there's memes going on here. Change My Mind is a meme with a guy sitting at a coffee table ready for a conversation. On the front of the coffee table is a big sign that says, Change My Mind. And, you know, it's a meme. You put anything you want in there. Uh, bagels are too soft. Change My Mind. Yeah. Dogs are cuter than kittens. Change My Mind. Yeah, and so he would do, like, highly charged political things, and that was it. It was on a campus, right? And that's what he would do. So I never saw it, so I was like, all right, I got to see this. Let's watch it change my mind. So I search up on YouTube, and I go, change my mind. And then I couldn't find, like, anything at all. And I was just like, this is so strange. Like, there's memes about it. I should at least be able to watch one of these myself, right? I saw one from, like, a year ago. I'm like, that can't be it. Seems a little strange that it's like from a year ago, but this meme's, you know, fairly new. Okay, what's going on? So I keep looking around, and I go on Google, and I, I search up some more of them. Because I, I heard of a couple. Someone's like, oh, yeah, there's one on gun rights. There's one on abortion. There's one on this. There's one on this. So I'm like, okay, there's a bunch of them, and I'm only seeing like one of them. So then I do another Google search, and a YouTube video pops up in Google, but just not on YouTube. Oh, your first search was on YouTube. My first search was on YouTube, and now I've gone to Google. And when I watched the video recommended via Google for YouTube, it was... The Stephen Crowder fellow saying, all right, uh, YouTube is actually blocking my Change My Mind videos. Here's how you can prove it. Go on a VPN and research it. And I was just like, okay, I'm being blocked. I can see that I can't find any of these videos. So I went on a VPN and searched, and boom, there they all were. And I was just like, what? And he's like, it turns out if you're in the United States, YouTube will block your search for me. But if you're outside of the United States, you can find it just fine. Is Google or slash YouTube telling us why they're doing that, or is it totally quiet? I didn't find I didn't like search beyond that, but all, in that moment, I realized like how much can YouTube shape your thought? Oh, a lot. How much can Google shape your thought? Absolutely. You know, like Twitter's trending topics 
are those actually trending or are they shaping our thoughts? Like what makes a topic trending, right? There's like all these things that happen that are kind of, Yeah, this all comes down to how much does media represent what society is versus shape what society is. Yeah. Years ago when I was at UCSC prior to Netflix, uh, one of the students did a project where they created a a, a persona in three different regions of the country and then did kind of classical searches on those regions. And then you could then search any all three of them at the time. Anytime you want to search something, you could search one phrase and see all three on the same screen. And it was it was like, uh, you know, California, Midwest and like maybe New York or Florida. I can't remember exactly the spots. Mm-hmm. Totally fascinating how, yeah, the, the first 10 results were different for both of them, for all three of them. Right. And so that was 10 mm-hmm. years ago. And of course, the algorithms have gotten much more complex since then. Seems a little uh, scary in some sense. Right. Like I think it's a problem. Yeah, I mean, because you may have we may have all the information available but it doesn't mean you can access it, right? Mm-hmm. In some sense, we could be, you know, pover- you know, poverty with information while being... Have you ever seen that? The skinny obesity, right? Because people can actually be considered obese, but even though they're skinny, and part of the reason being is that they're, like, their liver is filled with fat. There's all these, like, body parts and all this. Like, they're actually dying of all these things but because they're eating so unhealthy because their body's naturally skinny. It looks skinny, but really they contain all the heart oh, problems and everything of being obese, Right. Fascinating, because obesity is actually a percentage of fat, not I, size. I believe so. There's like yeah. some medical reason why you can be a, a certain way and not another way. But anyways, it's like that. Like you can, we have all the information we've ever wanted. If I want to look up, you know, what is two to the 72nd, right? I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. I can get the exact number right now, right? Whereas like, do we actually get the right information? I don't even know. And it only gets harder. Well, what is the right information too, right? Because of course, the problem space is pretty complex. You can't really comprehend what is yeah. truth or not it's that's a very hard thing to do even scientifically you know when we say a measurement we're actually averaging the measurement you can't really weigh anything you can kind of get close <laughs> so yeah. this problem exists yeah. everywhere you get close enough yeah there's a precision problem what do you know is correct you already stated that being good with god being good with people being good with the earth is is correct what else do you know is correct or is that encompass so much that that's all you need what's beyond that right i for me it just like all things flow from that kind of or i'm trying to make them all Mm -hmm. flow from that point of view right and so even in this kind of debate you could be right or wrong about something maybe the ultimate answer is Mm -hmm. incorrect right well i'm just saying like pick an opposite point on something right x even if say i actually had the correct answer and they were incorrect even if the majority said they were correct and i was actually the correct one what does it serve or benefit any individual to belabor and beat somebody down just to prove that you are either correct or incorrect, right? Like, it just doesn't, like, to me, it just is like, that's just like robbing us of community and goodness. It'd have to come down to what harm is being done to people or the earth or people's connection with God. Those would be the points that, yeah. I mean, the third for me doesn't matter, but the third for you does matter. Yeah. But that would cut, that's what how it comes down. You know, if you've got beliefs, but you're not actually hurting people, you're not hurting the earth and your beliefs are different than somebody else that, um, isn't hurting the earth and isn't hurting people, then you, you two are fine. Like there's no, you, you don't have a conflict because <laughs> it really comes down to the actions yeah. we, we do to fellow people and, uh, the planet. I like that you include the earth there. I wanted to highlight something else about you that, that really changed how I engage in the world. You, you, in those conversations with you over the time we were doing, we are Netflix in the first season, 
we, we got to travel together and talk together. Got something. For, I got a good, nice, cold slap in the face from you. And that was me kind of going, oh, come on. Why the whole Jesus thing? I don't, I don't believe in God and I'm an okay person. And then at one point we kind of talked about uh, tithing, about how much money you're giving away um, regularly. And I looked at my philanthropy and it was next to nothing. And I went, well, I got to shut myself up. So that actually changed from shutting myself up to, okay, how can I make the world better with some money? And I started to, you know, I didn't, I'm not tithing. Obviously, I'm not going to a church. I'm going to nonprofits I hope are doing good for the humanity. And yeah, we can only hope that our money is going to the right place. You motivated me to be serious about that. So thank you for doing that. I think that's really good. You know, I mean, I, I don't think giving should be tied to the fact that you either do or do not believe in God. Personal stance is ultimately you're going to answer to it no matter what. And the reality is, is that we have a lot of money and we all say we want to see a better place. But really, the proof is in the pudding, yeah. right? Everybody says they want a better place. But how many people make it a better place? Well, I know that you do. I try. You know, that's the thing. We can only try and ultimately, hopefully, you, you affect a few people and things are great. Yeah. But it's a losing war still. Still a terrible place out there, right? But, you know, hopefully it's, it's just the reality is just that connection point. That one-on-one -on -one is better. Someone is happy in that moment or in or some amount of time. Well, I know I'm happy you're talking to you. Thank you very much, Michael, for doing this with me. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Do you ever put money in your wallet and just like when you see a homeless dude asking, you just give it to them? Yeah. I mean, it's totally going to the wrong place. The reality is you know it's not going to go to the right place. You just have to be okay with it. In that moment, the human connection and stuff... It totally sucks. I, I have mercy on them. My brother's a hardcore drug addict, so I, I mean, I get seeing the homeless person, and one of those homeless people are my brother, and so it's just like I can see that, and it's just like it's sad to me. It's just a good thing to do. How do you, how do you deal with family that are in bad spots like that? What what are you doing there? Are you helping all your family members too? Well, yeah, we try to do all the helpings for for family member stuff. Um, it's tough. It's sad, especially with like something with my brother. Um. It's just sad. Older or you younger know? brother? Older. What was he like as a kid? He was, we were pretty close. Um, I liked him a lot. And then it went, before my dad died, things were fine. He had kind of a little bit of a learning disability. I kind of have a learning disability. You know, like us combined, we were just kind of like getting in trouble all the time. You know, boxing, all that kind of stuff. But I just always get in trouble throwing eggs, right? It was just like, for whatever reason, we just like bring out the worst in each other. A lot of fun for me, but then my dad died, and then that's kind of where all things got, you know. How old were you? You are in middle school? I was, in, I was seven. Seven, oh my God. Turning eight, and he was 11 turning 12, which is like <sighs> the danger year, right? So if you're, uh, like, it's like between 10 to 13, somewhere in that region, you are like the most likely to have your life ruined if there's a divorce or a death. And so that is like the pivotal year in most kids' adolescence. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, like losing a dad at the most pivotal point in his life, it just ruined him. You could see it in photos. You could see it in everything. Mostly I just look at it as just a sad thing because it's just, it's frustrating because like the answer is obvious, right? For us, the answer is very obvious. It's just tragic to watch a slow car wreck. As your kids have gotten to seven at the age that you lost your father, are you uh, being careful with your own life? October 12th, baby. I, uh, I'll live my dad. Yeah, I am. Uh, I think October 18th. Asher and I have outlived my dad and I's relationship. Yeah, I, I mean, careful is kind of a unique word. I would not call myself careful in the sense that I'm not constantly trying to, like, avoid things. Well, that's not living, right? Yeah, yeah. Life is, ends with death, right? <laughs> that, that's all you got. But, like, I don't do anything intentionally dangerous. Do you exercise and stay healthy that way? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I do all the right right things, right? I don't I don't do anything obviously dangerous, right? Like I'm not into driving without a seatbelt on. That's obviously dangerous, right? I mean, the statistics of you living a 70 mile an hour crash is zero, right? You're just you're just goo you're goo afterwards, right? So I, I know I know how these things work, and so I'm just gonna be like, yeah, look at that, I put it on, right? I I don't ride motorcycles, right? I just know that one wreck, you're losing an arm, a leg, half the skin on your body, like it's just bad, right? You just know the answer to it. And so there's things I chose not to do, but I don't try to avoid life. Right. Yeah. That's good. I've got a meeting. You got a meeting next? The time's running out. I can't believe our time already ran this fast. All right. I know. I hope you enjoyed it. I know it was a little bit uh, strange. I was probably all over the place. <laughs> Michael, thanks so much. Um, let's talk again. I, are you When you're coming out to LG, when you come out to California, definitely let me know. I'd love to. I want to take you to this restaurant in Santa Cruz called Vim. Which is just too perfect. Oh, I, someone sent me a picture of that. <laughs> I think I sent that to you. <laughs> think about it every oh, time I see it. I'm so excited about that. I, I, I have to eat there. You have uh, to. Eat. For the people so, that don't know in your audience, I've, I am one of the quote unquote faces of Vim at this point. Right. Right. And so, you know, it'd be pretty sweet to have a picture eating at Vim. Yeah, it'd be great. It'd be great. And plus, I just want to eat there. It sounds exciting. Yeah, it'd be good to see you too. All right. Thanks, man. I'll talk to you All soon. Right. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.